This is Tom Fox. Welcome to a special five-part podcast series on the fight to secure supply chains through cross-industry innovation. This podcast series is sponsored by Exeger. In this series, we will explore the ongoing efforts of Exeger to lead the discussion and enhancement of supply chain risk management. First, word about Exeger's Supply Chain Explorer. Today, risk management professionals and procurement professionals are swamped. A new artificial intelligence risk detection tool is helping Fortune 500 companies and government agencies surface, understand, and mitigate critical threats to their third-party and supplier networks literally within hours. Introducing Supply Chain Explorer, a groundbreaking AI platform developed by Exeger, a leading global risk and compliance SaaS company. Exeger Supply Chain Explorer is a next-generation platform built on award-winning AI that delivers instantaneous transparency, allowing you to meet the urgent imperative to protect global supply chains from sanctions, ESG, and cyber risk at unprecedented speed and scale. With single-click supply chain detection, high-level due diligence, and risk analysis, everyone can now join the fight to secure our global supply chains. For the first time, you can even spot potential disruptions before they impact your supply chain. Check out Exeger's Supply Chain Explorer. In this episode, I'm joined by Jennifer Nestor and Teresa Campo Basso to look at supply chain issues in the defense industrial base. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with another episode. And today I have with me Jennifer Nestor and Teresa Campobasso, both from Exeger. And uh, we are going to uh, take a look at some of the issues that they are discussing with their clients around uh, third parties and third party risk management tools. So uh, before we get started, could we um, could you guys tell us what your current roles are with Exeger? And Jennifer, could I start with you? Yes. Good afternoon, Tom. Thanks for having us today on the podcast. Uh, so Jennifer Nestor, I'm a senior director at Exeger, and I'm currently leading the effort to reach out to the DIBs, the defense industrial base, and work with them to bring in supply chain risk management tools in-house to look at their third parties, to look at their supply chain, and really uh, gain some transparency across their programs. And Teresa? Sure. Uh, hi, Teresa Campobasso. I am a Senior Director of Defense Programs at Exeter Government. Um, so I'm also working in the supply chain risk management and third-party risk management with a defense focus, uh, but where Jen is primarily engaging with our defense industrial-based customers directly, I'm working more with our defense uh, federal organization uh, customers. So we do work very closely together, uh, two halves of the same coin there. And one of the reasons I was excited to visit with uh, both of you all is that um, many of the audience or listeners to this podcast come from the corporate sector. And what I've found in visiting with uh, your colleagues at Exeter over the years is that in many ways, the defense industrial space uh, leads and is more innovative than the corporate sector, particularly around risk management issues. So it's a long-winded way of introducing that um, – you guys are going to focus on something a little bit different, but for the compliance professional or a corporate officer who's listening to this, 
There's lots of insights that Exeger and these two individuals have done that really inform a compliance program. So with that, Jen, if I can maybe ask you, what's the uh, difference in a DIBS now that we've defined that role uh, in a supply chain? Okay, thank you. Uh, the DIB is different from other sectors uh, for a number of reasons, but today I really wanted to highlight two of those. Uh, the first is the DIB's unique relationship to national security missions. For those new to defense, the DIB consi- consists of well over 100,000 companies, and its role is massive. Um, it includes defense R&D, production, delivery, and maintenance, maintenance of military weapon systems, sensors, and other critical technology. Uh, this direct impact to U.S. national security means that the resilience and stability of the DIB and its supply chain is critical to ensure U.S. economic security and military technological superiority. Unlike other sectors, uh, the U.S. defense community's ability to protect our nation rests in large part on the DIB's actions related to uh, risk management, supply chain risk management, and and their efforts to fortify that supply chain. The second differentiator is the high rates of foreign adversary targeting that the DIB companies experience as opposed to a lot of other standard commercial organizations. Foreign intelligence actors like nation states, organizations, or individuals employ really aggressive actions like foreign investment, M&A activity, espionage, and cyber operations to gain access to the U.S.'s critical infrastructure and to steal sensitive information and just overall to disrupt our supply chain. So as I mentioned uh, in the preface to the last question, uh, many of the issues that you guys face in the defense industry in the supply chain are in many ways leading or more innovative than uh, in corporate America. And the emphasis on national security is certainly one. And uh, I don't think many in the corporate space realize that they have a national security interest. But if they're in healthcare, if they're in energy and they're in tech, they're in you name the industry, they now have a national security interest. Um, So my next question really is, I'm really interested in, Jen, which is you've articulated what I think were many of the concerns and differences in the defense industry and supply chain before the last two years or even the last six months. But what has changed now for supply chain risk management that makes these issues even more critical in your opinion? Absolutely. You know, over the last year plus, we've seen a lot of heightened Uh, regulatory standards related to supply chain due diligence, uh, which directly impacts the DIB. We've seen the increasing uh, complexity of global supply chains, which has impacted all of us. And um, really what we're here to talk about today is the growing availability of actionable data deep into the sub-tier supply chain. Uh, The only way the DIB can ensure that they're supporting DOD's acquisition strategy and evolving regulations is by investing in technology. Um, That's the only way they can really gain transparency, map their supply chains, and really gain insights into those relationships deep into the sub-tier supply chain. Um, That's exactly what we do at Exeger. We provide supply chain eliminations. We're looking not only, as Teresa mentioned, on the government side, but we're looking at the DIBs, direct and indirect exposure, um, both on goods, parts, materials from foreign adversaries and nation state actors. Uh, This allows our clients to map that sub-tier supply chain and give them insights on things that before you never had that level of insight. It's things like um, counterfeit parts, compromise of intellectual property, and theft of critical technology. So a big change in the data that's out there and in the transparency. Teresa, if I could turn to you and ask about the U.S. government's role in driving DIBS investment 
in supply chain risk management, and then perhaps even ask uh, what could be done to get us all there faster? That is a great question. So Jen mentioned some of this as well, but you know we've really seen a, a recent increase in policies uh, like some of the executive orders and other regulations and, and compliance uh, over the last couple of years, particularly the last two years. And these are really intended to address a lot of the much needed supply chain security reforms after these really high profile compromises. Um, you know, think of the solar winds attack, or the colonial pipeline hack, or big things like that. Um, and a lot of these proposed higher standards do put the responsibility on the DIB to prove uh, and, and kind of provide evidence of this level of supply chain transparency and risk management. And I'll give you a, an example here. A, a recent policy example is going to be the Weaker Forced Label Prevention Act. So this was signed uh, December of 2021. And it requires vendors doing business with the government to establish and present evidence that any goods provided are not the product of forced labor. So if you imagine a company providing any product to the U.S. government and uh, that has maybe some supply chain exposure to this region, they now have to provide evidence that not only are they not directly involved with forced labor, but now that they also have to provide evidence that their entire supply chain that touches their products from raw material all the way through design, manufacture, delivery are not connected either. So as Jen mentioned, you know, the data availability is going to be the only way we can really do this, right? It requires the detailed data, supply chain mapping and illumination, uh, and really rapid risk assessment. Uh, Another example would be a more recent February 2022 DOD action plan, and that's to secure the defense critical supply chains. So the DOD uh, is heavily investing in supply chain data themselves, and that's really because previously the DOD really relied on uh, and the federal government writ large, excuse me, really relied on self-attestation. They would go to these companies and rely on the companies to then tell them, yes, I am secure, got great risk management, got great cybersecurity. I am a safe company to do business with. The DOD is now trying to collect objective evidence to, to take more of a trust but verify role. And then the last thing I would say would be FARS and DFARS clauses. So anyone looking to do business with the government is going to be familiar with these. Um, These are contractual mechanisms that the government is actually using uh, or exploring use to incentivize DIB companies to provide scrim transparency and risk management right up front, you know, right before the acquisition happens. So that is going to probably result in uh, increased investment by DIB companies in these effective scrim solutions so that the government sees them as trusted, low-risk candidates um, to receive government awards. Um, You know, I would say the best way to get there more quickly would be to acknowledge that this is something that, you know, is going to benefit both financially and from a security standpoint, the DIB organization in, in question. Uh, And to get really smart on solutions, lean in, be proactive, do some pilots, explore solutions, and uh, and don't wait till compliance comes down and tells you, you must do this. Uh, Get ahead of the problem and show the government or show your other customers that you are committed to reducing supply chain risk and third-party risk. Teresa, I, I don't think you've ever heard me give a speech, but if you had, you will know that I always say the three most important things in any compliance program are the following. Document, document, document. Does that concept translate over now into the type of work you're doing with DIBs in the context of their obligations under both of this legislation and action plans that you've detailed as well? 
I would say yes. So um, with regard to kind of how Exeger is working with the defense community, both on the federal side and the DIB side, uh, we're looking to quickly surface these types of hidden risks um, and provide that documentation so that it, there's full transparency and uh, you don't have to go back and forth and argue about what is and isn't a risk, right? And you can also collect that evidence to make a proactive risk determination and take action before something becomes a problem. Um, so we believe that a truly effective supply chain risk management solution has to be based on that full transparency, but it also has to have the widest aperture of, uh, of risk um, indicators. So more than just sanctions, more than just watch list checks, you know, really hundreds of indicators across the broadest set of categories, but then also a way to measure the improvement. So looking at uh, not just having the, the tool to measure and assess the risk indicators and to provide that documentation, that transparency, but also to provide a framework, a risk framework, and at Exeter we use a proprietary trades framework to look at how organizations can test that they are actually making an impact over time and they, their actions that they're taking and their compliance are actually uh, contributing to increased uh, supply chain security. Ed, uh, you touched on this uh, briefly, but do you find that um, by going through this process, a DIB can become more business efficient and business resilient because they understand who is in their supply chain, literally to the person or company that may dig the mineral out of the ground. And that uh, by having that information, they can see uh, where they may have risk, but also where they could increase efficiency. Is that a, a conversation you're having with your DIB clients? Absolutely. And I'll also have Jen uh, touch on this as well, because I know she works a lot with uh, Dib Clumps customers on this. Uh, I talked about the broadest aperture of supply chain risk indicators. Um, and one of those uh, categories of risk indicators is going to be operational risk. I know I talked a lot about security and I mentioned cyber and we talked about transparency and forced labor and ESG risk, um, but operational risk and financial risk are really legitimate supply chain concerns. And if people are not constantly doing continuous evaluation and continuous monitoring of these types of risks as part of their full supply chain risk management program, they're going to miss a lot of opportunities to take action before something becomes a problem, to either prevent a disruption, mm -hmm. identify a lower risk or, or a more efficient supplier, and, uh, and create some efficiencies as part of this process as well. But I'll, uh, I'll see uh, if Jen agrees with me. <laughs> yes, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, by, by mapping the not only the first tier, but that sub-tier supply chain, it provides transparency for the DIB. They're seeing the risks um, across all these entities, and it allows them to really uh, recognize where they need to apply their time, money, resources, which things they, which companies or suppliers they want to get out of their supply chain, right, to prevent further risks down the road, which are more expensive. And, and as you mentioned, right, try to find additional efficiencies. So absolutely, that's a great question. Jen, if I could uh, turn to you and ask, how is the DIB community or even your client base really responding to these government-led changes about supply chain standards, or is it really an ongoing dialogue? It absolutely is an ongoing dialogue, but we are seeing the large dibs. Uh, they're embracing the standards. They're moving out. They're looking to acquire an enterprise solution. Um, they're excited to bring in-house uh, tech AI solutions that make them more efficient, right? If you have to all of a sudden look at a thousand or 10,000 companies, 
you need a solution that helps you triage that data, understand the risks and, and make sense of it in a really efficient way. Uh, you know, one interesting thing is that normally uh, procurement decisions, right, they're led by the procurement team or compliance team, but we're seeing the DIB bring 20 plus stakeholders across C-suite, across the various functions. They recognize, right, there isn't one team that owns these functions. They're spread across the business. They're spread across the functions. And so we're seeing these companies uh, lean in and want to have the right people at the table to get familiar with the tool, to get familiar with the data and to evaluate, you know, how do we bring this in-house? How do we operationalize it? How do we how do we do that business in a better way? Um, I would say for any DIB out there or any company out there that hasn't started this process of evaluating um, how transformative this technology can be for you, reach out, schedule a demo, make us prove it to you, um, the level of insights that you're going to gain and how much better you're going to be able to run your business in support of both internal and also your clients. Um, and then the last thing is we know Scrim, uh, Scrim Solutions, they're in a financial investment, right? They, they are not always cheap. And to do it the right way, you, you need to look broadly across your organization. So we see the DIB trying to figure out what's the right level of due diligence they need, not only for compliance reasons, but also to be a reliable, stable company, um, both internally and for their clients. Um, and they're trying to figure out, right? There's tons of, more, tons of more deep data they've never had access before. So they're trying to figure out how do I action this data? How do I implement and affect things deeper into my sub-tier supply chain? So it's an exciting discussion to have. We're seeing the wheels turning and we're, we're part of that solution and we're having that conversation across the DIB. Uh, Teresa, we started out this conversation talking about DIBs and national security. And anytime you talk about national security, I think you have to talk about national security risk. And we are in a heightened national security risk situation now, uh, particularly over the last I guess now three months because of uh, the Russian invasion of UK, Ukraine, although that is an ongoing conversation in your community. So I wanted to maybe ask, um, how is are DIBs responding to this heightened level of supply chain risks around national security, or is it even much broader than national security? Outstanding. Keeping up with uh, the effect of current events, whether it's geopolitical events, uh, catastrophic weather events, any kind of dynamic external uh, kind of macro or imposed risk on a supply chain or on a network of third parties is a longstanding challenge. And it's one that we've also kind of struggled with, both Jen and myself, you know, in our time, our previous, uh, our previous lives when we were both um, on the government side. Um, I would say that we see DIB community or dig or dib organizations and also defense organizations both responding to these dynamic changes in the current threat environment in two main ways. I think that the first is going to be to change their organizational mindset. And I know that this is always a, a large strategic change, takes a lot of time. And as Jen mentioned, there's a lot of stakeholders involved so that the change is slow, but we do see um, these, these organizations are trying to move away from just a very narrow kind of checklist-based mindset uh, for threat risk management to a more threat-based risk management um, approach. What I mean by that is it's one thing to say, okay, well, here's the letter of the law, uh, and I'm going to very narrowly define risk just as I'm required to, and I'm going to uh, only limit myself to looking at this very narrow definition. Now, compliance is obviously incredibly important, and I'm not saying that that is not, you know, a, a really good focus to have. But I think what we're seeing is, is some people are 
abusing uh, compliance as, as an excuse to really limit uh, the way that they define risk and the way that they measure risk and evaluate risk and take action against risk. And so now, because I think of the wide nature of um, different types of supply chain risks and third-party risks and how we see them affecting um risk uh, profiles in companies and in products and in software and in services and people even in the supply chain um, have have started that organizational shift to a broader aperture, um, which is wonderful. The more broadly you can define it, the more likely you are to proactively measure it and get ahead of it, and the less likely it is to be able to disrupt your operations or your business or to introduce some kind of risk into your clients. Um, and then the second is kind of the converse of that. I would say as much as we're seeing these really exciting conversations and these really exciting developments around new understandings of risk, we also see some organizational change resistant uh, resistance. So, you know, as, again, Jen had mentioned the, the variety of stakeholders. And while that's so important, getting consensus can be difficult when you're talking to an insider threat professional versus a, a com- contracts or compliance professional versus enterprise risk management. Uh, it, it, it Not everybody's always speaking the same language. So, Tom, to your earlier point, being able to get that core documentation and that transparency and that data um, that really is indisputable um, and actionable is going to be the best, quickest way to bring everyone together and focus on the true drivers of the problem and make those decisions uh, and then evaluate how the program is doing in, in reducing risk over time. So unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on any of the topics we've touched on, on Exeter, on really the the dib work that both of you all are doing, what would be the best way to find out? So we have uh, a great website. It is uh, exager.com. You're going to be able to get links to request demos. You're going to be able to see all of our latest uh, thought leadership on supply chain and on uh, a lot of the topics that we touched on today. Um, Our our, uh, professionals do make a pretty regular appearance on the conference circuit related to risk management, compliance, third-party risk, um, defense, national security, and cybersecurity. So if there are any upcoming events, uh, you're welcome to to find that information on our website as well. You can connect with us on LinkedIn. Um, But yes, please reach out. Uh, Jen had mentioned this as well. Schedule a demo. We'd love to talk to you. Um, And we uh, are excited to connect with, uh, with your audience. Thank you. And I wanted to thank you both for taking the time to visit with me. It's been a great episode, and I look forward to continuing this conversation. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you, Tom. I hope you will join me tomorrow when we conclude our five-part series on Exeter's fight to secure supply chain by taking a look at supply chain issues in energy. You can join the fight to secure our global supply chain by obtaining early access trial licenses to Exeger Supply Chain Explorer by visiting exeger.com and we've linked to the site on the show notes. You can also find out how Exeger is making the world a safer and more effective place to do business by following Exeger on LinkedIn or reaching out to any of the experts featured on today's podcast. This special five-part series has been a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.